This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Lauren Lester, the voice of Robin and Nightwing, and you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at dcaureview.com and on your favorite podcast app. And remember, no one can be a boy wonder forever. Batman needs a team that can operate on the sly. You will be that team. I will deploy you on missions. Real missions? Yes, but covert. You'll do it on lead terms. What are we waiting for? This team is not a social club. Young Justice. Welcome, everyone, to episode 215 of the DCAU Review. I am Liam, and with me, as he always is, is Cal. Cal, we are wrapping up our special Elseworlds month here, and we've got uh, one more alternate animated take on the Boy Wonder himself to wrap us up. That is right, Liam, and we left it up to the fans. That's right. You voted. We listened. And much to Liam's chagrin, uh, as the prophecy said, spoke and came, it did indeed come to pass. We are once again reviewing Young Justice, which uh, uh, we say that sort of tongue in cheek as Liam has, uh, we haven't, neither of us have any problem with Young Justice. Mm-hmm. In fact, we've, uh, we've reviewed several episodes thus far and have uh, have enjoyed them. You can check those out in the archives at dcaureview.com. But ironically, there is one sticking point and one thing, Liam, that you have pointed out every time that we have reviewed a Young Justice episode. And ironically, it's directly linked to our Elseworlds topic for the month, Robin the Boy Wonder. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yes, while I, I would uh, definitely, I definitely enjoy this show for the most part, Uh, It's a fun change of pace from our normal main DCAU continuity. Uh, The one character I would say I'm not a huge fan of, at least in this first season, uh, which is all we reviewed so far have been first season episodes. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of this version of Robin. Um, There's just, I think it's just one of those things. Once I noticed it, it was hard to unnotice. And uh, most of his personality seems to be uh, trying to do wordplay. (laughs) Uh, and <laughs> which which continues words. which continues for this episode the theme sure does theme continues <laughs> but we'll we'll get into all of that in our plot cal uh in just a moment here but before uh we we get into our main categories i of course must read our official imdb synopsis for this week's episode Homefront, uh which uh which i will get to of course this uh, synopsis reading is brought to you by the Pod Tower YouTube channel, where you can not only find every episode that we do, but also lots of content from other great uh, DCAU content creators. So uh, even if you're not uh, listening to the show regularly on YouTube, if you could go up and uh, subscribe there, you're not only helping us out, but some uh, some other fine folks as well. And uh, Cal, are you ready for the synopsis? I am, yes. Uh, This episode originally debuted here in the States on the Cartoon Network back on September the 30th, 2011, meaning uh, we just passed the 10-year anniversary last September, coming up here on the 11-year anniversary in just a few short months here. That is right. So without further ado, here is the synopsis for Homefront which was written by John Wiseman, directed by Michael Chang with music by the Dynamic Music Partners and animation by MOI Animation. And that synopsis reads as such. When the cave is attacked, Ken Artemis and Robin, the two teams without superpowers, save the team or even themselves from the unknown invaders. 
Oh, it's a it's not a statement. It's a question this time. We went uh, we went like uh, Adam West Batman announcer (laughs) at the end of of part one here. We don't uh, can't we we pose it as a question. Mm -hmm. But yes, Cal, that will uh, that will bring us into our our first category here, which is our our plot. And as we sort of run down, as we always do, we open with a a little bit of a flashback as we see a young Artemis. talking things over with her sister it's clear that their home life is is not great and in fact her sister is planning to leave and uh, then we sort of flash forward to present day where uh, Artemis is attending a new high school in none other than Gotham City yeah a precocious annoying young man walks (laughs) up to her and uh, snaps a, a picture it's not really a selfie if there's two people in it I don't think but a uh, snaps a picture. They still of the call two. it a selfie. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, you're right. It's it's not. It should be an ussy or something like. That. <laughs> now I'm just doing Robin shtick. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Apology accepted. Artemis, I'm Bet, your new student liaison. Welcome to Gotham Academy. Thanks. I'm, I'm Artemis, but you knew that. <laughs> We'll laugh about this someday. Uh, who's that? A freshman. Ignore him. Dick, what was that about? <laughs> Nothing, Barbara. Just being friendly to the new girl. But yes, we uh, we get uh, some quirk- quirky little dialogue as Dick Grayson, of course, aware of who she really is, uh, takes that picture and then uh, alerts a-, a fellow classmate named Barbara that uh, he's just uh, trying to be friendly to the new girl. And uh, we have a, a kind of a brief interlude in the, uh, the cave and the team's hideout where we see that uh, Superboy and Miss Martian and, and Kid Flash are all sort of hanging around. Superboy and Miss Martian still trying to keep their uh, relationship a secret from, uh, from Kid Flash and the rest of the team. And, and then we see that Aqualad and, and Red Tornado are discussing uh, not only are they discussing uh, the the potential for a, a mole, a, a secret double agent to be part of the team, but uh, also that Red Tornado, who's sort of taken over as the, the team's chaperone by this point in the series, uh, is being called away to monitor duty. So we've got a we've got a real home alone situation brewing here. So you have told no one else of this mole? I cannot be sure one exists. And if it does. If the team is being betrayed from within, I must investigate without tipping my hand. But perhaps I should tell Batman? Generally, the Batman expects the team to handle its own problems. But the decision is yours. I will return after monitor duty on the watchtower. I thought you were exempt from monitor duty since becoming our den mother. Recognized. Red Tornado 1-6. I agreed to cover for Green Arrow. He has an interpersonal event with Black Canary. A hot date. Yeah. Um, so I, they, they also, by the way, there's a brief uh, conversation between them about this this mole, this mole that they've discovered maybe on their team that they're attempting to find out. But uh, that is sort of left for another time. And uh, we we see Robin and Artemis at this point running into each other in an alley. And uh, and they uh, Robin, of course, is aware of who Artemis is. Artemis is not aware that Dick Grayson is Robin, apparently. So uh, there's this uh, playful bit where Robin asks her what she's doing in town and she uh, specifically in Gotham City. And she makes up a story about seeing her cousin in a spelling bee that Robin sort of chides her about. So uh, they both arrive at that point uh, with a purpose of going down to the cave. And uh, once once they both are teleported into the gate, into the cave, it's a it's a big disaster. They find themselves right in the middle. It's basically like that scene in in community. You've probably seen it in gift form where Donald Glover walks into the room (laughs) holding the pizza and there's just fire everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or if you're a community fan, you know, that scene specifically. It's that's basically what happens when they get teleported into this room. Everything is on fire and uh, they're trying to determine what the, the source of said fire is but it seems to be spreading rapidly and in fact chasing them they can't seem to find any of the 
other members of the team. And uh, for the next several scenes, it is Robin and Artemis doing their best to try and escape this onslaught of both water and fire that seem to be attempting to kill them. And uh, they... They find their way through uh, various different tunnels and, and different air, vac, uh, air vents and they're, they're finding their way throughout to the various different parts of, uh, of the manor. And uh, they, of course, uh, are, are still attempting to figure out Robin downloads schematics of the cave in an attempt to try and hack into the system and to, to better avoid this, uh, this, whatever this is that's coming after them. We only get a quick visual. We'll talk talk about just a little bit here but uh a a shadowy figure in the midst of this flame as well as a spiral spiraling faint flame tornado uh that is coming after them which is sort of a, a little little hint as to what it exactly is that they're dealing with here but uh after they are, are able to escape the shower that was attempting to drown them and then the fire that was attempting to come after them. They jump up one of the, the uh, hoods inside of the kitchen and they make their way through the air vent. Uh, Robin is uh, sort of hacked into the, the visuals of the, the cave looking through the cameras and attempting to figure out just what happened to them and uh, what ha- who who led this attack and what happened to the other members of the cave specific uh, in the cave specifically. And uh, it appears that the cameras were taken out all at exactly the, pretty much the same time. So they're not able to identify their attackers. Locking out caves, motion and heat sensors to prevent the enemy from tracking us. And I ask again, who is the enemy? Let's find out. Downloading cave security footage. There. Dork wrench. Thank you. Green cheeks. I have been meaning to ask, any problem juggling schoolwork with your responsibilities here? Nope. Juggling's just one of my many talents. Sock your wrench. Daily cheerleading practice has presented a challenge. Oh, but my first loyalty is always to the team. This team, not the bumblebees. Artemis starts school today. Do you think she will have trouble maintaining her loyalties? Nah, she'll manage all right. I mean, how much more hostile and annoying... What happened? Explosion took out the camera. I'll find another angle. That's it. All four are dead. The cameras. I I meant the cameras. I'm sure the others are okay. Uh, So uh, they do see that it appears that the rest of the team is safe, but... Uh, it's not really clear what exactly happened to them as the, this onslaught all occurred at the same time. Uh, so they actually sneak out and they are uh, in this library. They're looking for this secret passage to get down deeper. And uh, they hear a very familiar voice reach out to them that uh, Artemis seems to believe may be Red Tornado when, in fact, we actually get the reveal of who our two main antagonists for the episode are. That's right. As uh, as they are briefly referred to as red, they are red tornadoes uh, siblings. I think later later on in the series they are officially named as uh, red torpedo and red inferno. But basically, it's a lady red tornado robot who does fire, and a <laughs> uh, a beefier male uh, male robot with slightly different chest designs. Uh, or insignia on him, and he's the uh, the water robot. So we have we have wind, uh, of course, with red tornado, and now we have, uh, fire and water as well. So the uh, the two non-powered teens are in quite a bit of trouble as that sort of continues, and they they are trying to to continue making it through. They find a hidden passage out of the uh, out of the library. And uh, as you said, they're they're able to sort of finally make contact with the uh, with the rest of the team as Aqualad alerts him that uh, Aqualad and Miss Martian are both being kept in this sort of cage of fire by the uh, by the uh, the fire by the fire robot, and, uh, <laughs> and Superboy and, and Kid Flash are sort of encased in this like metal, uh, some sort of strange metal. Uh, uh, thing i don't know if they, it was melted onto them i forget do we actually see what how they were oh. put into these 
they're just there. <laughs> they're they're in these sort of they're both they're both sort of uh, unable to move, and and there's water slowly rising around them. As in fact, the uh, the tornado robots use uh, use the intercon system to alert Robin and Artemis that they have less than ten minutes to turn themselves in, or otherwise all of their friends will be uh, killed. And that sort of creates our our race against time here as as Robin and, and Artemis again are sort of accosted by, by both the, uh, the torpedo and the Inferno robots. And they're just able to, uh, to get out of there. And, and finally that uh, Robin sort of hatches an idea as he's sort of talking things out with Artemis and some of the other team members that the best way they can deal with this is of course, what, a, what better way to do it than the way all problems are solved in superhero and sci-fi television shows an EMP blast. What do we do now? We save them. That's how it works. Maybe that's how it's supposed to work, but those robots already took out our four super-powered friends. You seem distraught. Distraught? Began is dying! We have no powers, and I'm down to my last arrow. Of course I'm distraught! We'll get trot or get dead. How can you be so calm? Practice. Been doing this since I was nine. What good is that now? What chance do we have against unrelenting machines? Oh, duh. They're machines. And one electromagnetic pulse will shut down any machine within range. Great. Except you better have an EMP emitter in your utility belt, because I know I don't have one in my quiver. I'm fresh out. But I'm betting we can make one. What do you say, KF? Doable. Totally doable. Five minutes. You know, if you had more time. (laughs) Well, of course, you know, if there's a robot in the area an EMP, just it's your it's your reset button. You know, that's how it's how you get everything back to normal. So Robin has, uh, as you mentioned, has the idea and he radios Kid Flash, who walks him through the process of figuring out how to build an EMP, which is interesting because the first thing that Kid Flash says is that it, it would work perfectly if they had more time. But then the time aspect is never mentioned again. And Robin pretty successfully builds a, a almost complete EMP uh, in just a few minutes. So he's able to gather some pieces uh, from around the cave and build the, build this, uh, build this EMP and fashion it together uh, only to uh, just when he's about to set it off, realize that it's missing a piece. It's not quite working. There's some part of it is missing. And uh, in, in what, is maybe the most video game like piece of dialogue in this entire episode after Robin has built the EMP with various <laughs> different pieces. There's something missing from this, which is like if you're playing the video game at home, telling you that you need to go on another mission to find a piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, in, in the meantime, uh, <laughs> in the meantime, they need, uh, they discover that there's, again, there's a piece that's missing and there's time is beginning to continue to tick down. So uh, after realizing that it doesn't work um, he, and he realizes that he needs a conductor and something to, to kind of conduct the, the energy to come out of it. So uh, unfortunately, before they're able to find a conductor, they're spotted uh, by the two robots. And uh, well, uh, Artemis runs away and Robin is caught and uh, Artemis checks out through the looking through the vent and sees that Robin is being drowned. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's a good moment for Artemis who then it ultimately curls up in a ball at this point. And she appears to be having some PTSD. She sneaks out of the, of the air vent back to the library where she sees the con- uh, collected masks and helmets, the trophies that the, the team has begun to uh, collect. And uh, she looks at this Cheshire cat mask and she again is transported back to that scene from, uh, from the original, uh, from the first scene of the episode and uh, where she's talking to her sister about abandoning the family and uh, her sister makes the choice to abandon the family while Artemis decides that she needs to stay and wait for her mom to be released from prison. Uh, So she realizes that she has a new family now that this is the family she needs to stick with. And she needs to again, uh, be be there for them in a way that uh, that maybe her sister wasn't and and show the care for the family the same care that she showed her mom so uh, she decides she picks up an arrow actually that was part of uh, from another episode that I believe that was used to help defeat Amazo in another episode uh, mm-hmm. so she she picks up this arrow and she heads back in and she decides she's going to feign surrendering to the robots and 
that's kind of where we kick off our the, the finale of the episode is everything looks to be hopeless as the water continues to rise and the the, the heroes uh, Aqualad and Miss Martian stuck inside this cage of fire are beginning to continually weaken and Robin appears to be drowned laying on the ground. Uh, that's where we uh, we get the final part of this scene here. Yeah, she does. Uh, Artemis Artemis is able to sort of lull the uh, the robots into a false sense of security, and then she uh, is able to kind of do this tremendous acrobatic move and fire the arrow. And of course, the the spearhead of the arrow is in fact made of metal, so it's the perfect conductor for Robin's EMP device. And uh, she hits the target uh, quite literally in this case, and the EMP disabling the uh, the two robots and and saving the day of course at that point the not only does the the fire cage that was keep, keeping aqualad and miss martian disappear but the water begins to subside and and superboy and kid flash are freed and we sort of uh, we as as everyone's sort of uh, recovering we we see artemis go up to robin and we quickly uh quickly realize that he is in fact still breathing despite uh, despite the other robots best best issue uh, best efforts and and we find out that that was actually the whole time robin's plan according to him was that he would pretend to get captured or let himself get captured and that would allow artemis the time to uh, to save the day so we uh, we seems like we're wrapping everything up but of course they they're trying to get uh, superboy and kid flash unstuck and uh, they're trying to use this laser drill but of course the EMP knocked all electronics in the area out, so uh, she she can't uh, Artemis can't quite get that working. In the meantime, Red Tornado returns, as uh, as he says when he realized that he couldn't uh, make contact with the cave, he uh, teleported down to another area of the uh, of the country and then flew all the way there to the uh, to I guess this is the West Coast. They probably say it in the pilot episode, and I just forget. But uh, <laughs> he implies that it was a distance away, so he he finally gets there right as the uh, right as the uh, the action has ended, and they're sort of continuing to discuss the aftermath. And as uh, just as Red Tornado goes to investigate the uh, the two robots, his apparent uh, siblings, who he says he was completely unaware of uh, having any sort of uh, familial relations. Uh, the drill, the laser drill starts to work, which at, at first uh, Artemis is excited, but then uh, Robin, of course, realizes that means if, if that electronic device is working, then so will the... So as, as Red Tornado reaches down to touch one of them, they, we see this little electrical charge, and then all three of the robot's eyes glow red, and Red Tornado sort of turns against the team, sucks all of the uh, oxygen out of the room to knock all of the team... And when they come to, they see Superman, Batman, Aquaman, Green Arrow, all the uh, all the adults uh, finally make themselves useful as they show up here in the final scene to uh, to note that the all three of the the Red Tornado family have gone and disappeared on us. <laughs> Can you hear me? She's all right. What happened here? What happened? The Reds happened! Tornado and his... Wait, where are they? Gone. All three of them. Gone. Uh, we get quite the uh, dramatic cliffhanger ending here. So just just when we thought things were wrapping up and we had our our happy ending and we learned our lesson about family and teamwork and all that, they go and pull the rug right out from under us and then tell us we got to come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, a bit of a cliffhanger there. So uh, needless to say, we will not be continuing this thread next week because we're starting a new month. So mm -hmm. uh, if you're interested in knowing what happens next, we invite you to check out the wonderful HBO Max app. <laughs> it's a it's a great, absolutely great application. Uh, especially, sure is. Especially if you're looking to get 
the entirety of uh, of the the DC animated universe and other universes uh, from from DC. So, uh, but yeah, uh, so I, I guess Liam, we can talk about our our scores and uh, what we liked from the plot. So, uh, I will say uh, there's there's a lot of Robin in this episode, which is obviously why mm-hmm. we picked it. Um, I don't have as much of an issue with Robin as you seem to, uh, or the the characterization <laughs> of this Robin in this show. Um, I will say that there were parts that felt I felt like when I was dropped into the episode, like maybe I had missed something with Artemis past. They sort of kind of bring you back into it. It's not readily clear to me what that scene at the beginning and her dreaming about that, what that how that related to everything. And of course, it eventually ties back in. Um, but yeah, it's very strange that they they just sort of and I get it. It's an episodic series so you're they want you to come back to the next episode but there's no clear reason for why this has happened how these characters got there it just feels very much like you're dropped in the middle of something and and again i get we are dropped in the middle of this series we've jumped over several episodes since the last one that we reviewed but it very much feels like this is not a show um, that you can just watch it one episode of and come in and completely understand everything that's happening. Um, so there were parts of, of it that I felt like, it's like may, maybe what happens if a kid hasn't watched the prior four or five episodes or you have missed a couple episodes? And I was trying to think, is like, is there, is, I feel like they're at the beginning of at least, you know, the two parters in the DCAU, you at least get a previously on and you kind of get a, a quick synopsis to catch you up to speed if you did miss, you know, something from the prior prior episodes, you at least get some sort of recap to bring you into why these these points are going to happen in this episode. So maybe that's just me nitpicking for something that's like all right well i'm not as familiar with the series as i am with the dcau stuff so i'm being dropped into this brand new place please dumb it down for me um but because of that it at times it did just feel like it was a little bit uh, i don't know it was it was hard to figure out which why things were happening and where things were coming from or what the what the purpose of certain things were, were um i think the action is fun there's a lot of fun action i think the chase the chase scene seems to last a little bit too long as it always is in a, in a superhero cartoon or any comic book. The fact that the villains gave them 10 minutes to figure out how to defeat them essentially was a little bit ridiculous, especially when it's two robots. They don't have any sort of human reason to give these two other two people, uh, you know, a, a reason to, to stay alive. So why are you adding 10 minutes on to, to killing the other ones that you have, you know, dead to rights? Um, so, you know, I, I the chase scene's fun. I like the idea that they gave uh, this this Artemis character uh, the ability to overcome her fears and to connect her past and recognize where that plays out in her present. Um, I, I like that she was ultimately the one that recognized that this new team is her, as, as, as Dom from Fast and the Furious would say, family, uh, for mm-hmm. lack of a better mm-hmm. word. So she needs to <laughs> she needs to protect them. So. Uh, yeah, there, there was some fun stuff there. Uh, overall, it's a fine, you know, 20 minutes of, of television. I didn't think there was anything earth shattering um, other than than her maybe dealing with a little bit of anxiety, because I don't know if that's something that you tend to see. Um, I know that we in Justice League versus the Fatal Five, you start to bring in some of that mental health aspect of uh, and adding that dimension to your superhero characters. And that's not something we necessarily see uh in in some of those older episodes so I, I do appreciate that but it's it's only for a split second and it's kind of you know it's tied back into her feeling like she owes this to them versus hey this is a she's having a mental health crisis this is kind of real so um for all those reasons i ended up just settling on a six out of ten for plot what about you i went one point higher i went seven out of ten i do agree that there's there's obviously things afoot here that would probably mean a lot more to us if we were watching this series from, from start to finish. Um, I will say as an episode, I think just the concept of you take all of the heavy hitters down almost where it starts and it's just Rob Robin and the, and art into this thrown into the deep end, so to speak, and having to kind of use their wits. And then I, I, I think, I think even the way it's structured where, 
you know, Robin is, you know, t- it's sort of sort of the point of contention almost between the two of them in the episode is that he is so calm and he's still doing normal Robin things for the series, right? He's still doing his little quips and wordplay and 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 sort of just, you know, being treating this like any other case or any other mission that this team has gone on. Meanwhile, all their friends are in, in grave danger and, and she kind of que- pushes him and questions him on that. And, and he says it's because he's been, you know, he's been doing this since he was nine and that he's, you know, he's just been for every situation. And, and so nothing really phases him. So to have that, to have it be like, okay, he's the guy you want if there's a zombie invasion or something, right? Or in this case, a robot invasion, sure. uh, like because he's 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 calm and he's collected and he's and he's got all the gadgets and he's got a plan and and he's and he's keeping everything moving. And then all of a sudden, he's taken off the board at the last second. And now the person who's been losing their mind and has been really freaked out and has felt sort of out of their depth the whole episode. Now they have. Now she has to step up. I think that's good. And then yeah, you you contrast that with. Her, her own real, you know, blood relation family walking out on her when things got tough and her sort of faced with that same choice of whether she could basically hole up in this, in this trophy room and wait and hope, you know, hope for the league to show up and save her, but that if she did that, that it would mean the death of all of her teammates and her ultimately deciding to go back and to, to kind of outsmart the uh, the robots and save the day. I think that I think there's enough there that you can sink your teeth into, even without the broader context that we've uh, that we're missing by not watching these these episodes in order. I think there's still enough there where you can sink your teeth into that, and it's a fun and, and still a a uh, fun and exciting adventure. And uh, you know, and then Robin gets knocked out at the end, so that's fun. <laughs> yeah, so, you, you three know, uninter- uninter- three uninterrupted, uh, yeah. You have three uninterrupted minutes of of no <laughs> dialogue. So, well, really, I think what I appreciated was also that Artemis was just like constantly calling him out for being so annoying in mm-hmm. <laughs> in times of crisis. I appreciated that as well. So, yeah, overall, uh, maybe not the the highest of high plot scores that we could give, but uh, seven from myself and a six from you, Cal. Still, uh, nothing to uh, nothing to sneeze at here as. Uh, as we begin to wrap up our plot here and move on to our second category, which of course is visuals. And because Cal, there's, there, as we, as you would know, if you've been listening and you just heard our plot recap, there's no B plots here. There's no real, there's not a lot of downtime. So this is a very action, very fast moving, very visual focused episode. So we got a lot to break down in this category. Yeah, that it is. It, and it's uh, it's actually done pretty beautifully. I would say this is some of the smoothest, cleanest animation. I think um, it's it's very much a, a, a hot pursuit uh, and a lot of a lot of action heavy as soon as they they get teleported into the cave and uh, and things get going there. They uh, it's 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 action heavy. And, it, and like I said, it's it's this constant robin and artemis running away while also trying to set traps to potentially foil the person or the whatever this entity is that's creating this havoc within the cave uh, so there's there's a lot of running and jumping and hiding and jumping up into into vents and and figuring out how you know they, there's one point where they head to the showers and they try to they try to set off all the all the showers at the same time and then all of a sudden the room starts to flood so then he has to blow a hole in the wall and uh then he's he's robin's constantly using his wrist computer to attempt to you know hack and figure out the the cave schematics or check out the the, the footage from the surveillance videos and so there's there's a lot that happens here constantly uh we have that we mentioned the, the flame the flame cage i guess the cage of flames uh that miss mark and Aqualad are, are trapped in uh, the fire. I thought actually was one of the things that I noticed, and I, I felt like that uh, even though it it may be CG, I, I couldn't I couldn't quite point it out and say this looks like that classic weird not quite fiery computer generated <laughs> fire. Um, I think there, if it was computer generated, there was cell shading over top of it, but it gave it that unique look that far more like eastern animation style of fire or something that you would see in an anime so 
it fits in with this style of, of uh, character work, but it also, I think, fits in really well and, and didn't really stand out. Because there's a lot of fire in this. You have an entire character whose who's, uh, who's, who's, uh, power set is based around fire. And uh, conversely, you have the, 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 other, the other antagonist's power set uh, set around water and being able to control that. So you have these two, two dynamic things that really have to be able to flow and look uh, look like the entities they're representing even in animated form um, otherwise it's gonna it's gonna really stand out in the episode I thought both of those things uh, stood out as being well animated for the uh, for the episode I will say um, I really liked the designs of both uh, Red Inferno and, and Red Tornado or uh, Red Torpedo rather uh, Red Torpedo definitely gives off much like uh, much, he just kind of looks like I don't know the crime syndicate version of red tornado or something like that. Like it's, it's not that different than, than red tornado, but I thought that red inferno um, her design uh, re actually really invoked some, uh, if you're familiar with the original Ralph McQuarrie star Wars concept art, there's a, there's a pretty famous mm -hmm. concept art that he, that he was the guy that originally designed basically what star Wars was going to look like. And there's a very famous drawing that he did of, uh, of C3PO uh, the, you know, the human cyborg from that, from star Wars uh, that very much that, that facial structure and that very sort of pronounced brow and, and squared off nose is very much, much, uh, it very much invoked in that drawing. So I thought that maybe that would have could have been lifted from that directly. It's not, you know, it's not that far off from being a, a, a robot, obviously both robot kind there. So um, I, I really liked their designs and I thought that they were set apart enough uh, to be individuals where it wasn't hard hard to differentiate between the two of them on screen. Um, and, but it was also, they you could clear clearly see that they were supposed to be quote unquote related and also related back to, to red tornado. So I thought that keeping that design thread similar while also differentiating them enough to, to make them unique. Uh, it was a tight rope to, to walk and I thought was done really well, but um, I think the last thing that I'll point out and I'll throw it back over to you is, is regarding back to, to red inferno's first sort of appearance is when they're chasing Robin and uh and and artemis and you're still not quite mm -hmm. sure who this perpetrator of this you know this attack is and the first thing that you see is this uh this darkened silhouette in the midst of the fire just sort of looking around very creepy and we, we'll talk about it in just a second with music and and sort of the sound design for the episode but uh it's it's very horror movie-esque it's designed to be this mysterious uh, you know, pursuit from this, from this evil character after your, your you know, your main, uh, your main characters. So I, I thought that, that was very, uh, that, that invoked some very uh, horror movie-esque uh, imagery in doing that. And, uh, you know, I thought that that was done really well. Yeah, I totally agree with, uh, with, with, uh, not surprisingly, with almost everything you said there. Yeah, I think it's, <laughs> It's a, a really, really strong episode. I think that that initial the, the flooding of the corridors um, when they're they're sort of on the run and sort of every time they get away from one of the robots, the other one's there, like they're they're running from the, the fire tornado and then they run to the shower and sort of turn the, the water on to try to keep them keep themselves from burning alive. And then all of a sudden the, uh, the pipes burst and and, and that room floods and they're right back to, to square one there. So I like that the way they're, they're sort of constantly kept on their, on their toes, the sequence where uh, I think they're in the hallway and it floods for the, the second time where uh, Robin pulls out this rebreather and you see that Artemis is kind of pa panicking. So he gives it to her and so they're, they're sort of having this moment, but then here comes uh, red torpedo back after them and, you know, grabs grabs a hold again. You talk about like horror movie moments where he like, sort of grabs uh, Artemis's ankle and she's sort of struggling to get away from him. And then Robin has to sort of quickly swim and then stab uh, stab it in the eye again. We talked about this in a lot of our our reviews. When you have a robot or something, you can you can do horrible, violent things that you can't <laughs> get away with on a on a human target here. So he gets right. stabbed in the eye for his troubles, and then sort of as you, you sort of have this close up and as, as the robot uh, pulls the arrow out of his eye, it sort of pans back out 
and you see all of these explosives that that Robin has left in the water behind him. I thought that was a really neat sequence and and animated really well. T- totally agree with you about it. Can be really uh, can be it can be a little finicky when you when you're animating water and fire, especially this much of it. Both you know sequences that are happening underwater and then and then uh, and then yes, sort of the constant flickering fire that we see around the uh, the cages and all that. And even moments where you see the robot sort of in, intensify the, the cage and you even see like detail where you see Aqualad sort of not only does he put his head down and sort of grimace, but then you see sort of the beads of sweat forming on him and, and they really, uh, they really make that. And then that, that final bit there where, where Red Tornado comes back and, and uh, you know, all the eyes glow red and then he sort of springs into action and, and starts sucking the air out of it. And you sort of go around the room and see all the various team members sort of grasp at their throats as they sort of realize what's happening and then sort of slowly pass out one by one. I think that's a, that's a really fantastic sequence as well. And then, yeah, the, the slow-mo of that, of that last uh, arrow shot that, uh, that Artemis gets off to uh, conduct the EMP blast is, is pretty fun as well. Absolutely. She does like the big back backflip, but she like runs and jumps and backflips off of one of them and, and fires the shot. And then we sort of follow the arrow across the room as it, and as it lands and you see like the little charge of electricity go through it. And we see this big sort of CGI wave, a big blue wave to indicate the EMP and and everything shuts down. I think that's a really, really fun, fun, uh, fun sequence there. And, and, uh, and then Superboy and Kid Flash sort of bursting back out of the water as it begins to subside. Really. There's a lot of really, really strong visuals uh, throughout this, uh, throughout this series but uh yeah so i i ended up giving uh, visuals a really strong nine out of ten for this week nice i only went one point lower with mine uh eight out of ten uh we we highlighted a lot it's uh it's visually a, a very stunning episode and as you mentioned because there's so much uh so much riding on the actual pursuit there's no b plot it's it's all about it's all about keeping the action and entertain there's no there's no real breathing points except for the, you know, for the momentary respite that that Robin and Artemis initially get kind of in the in the the air vent to try and collect themselves. And then uh, again, when when Artemis sort of has her her breakdown back in the the air vent also, those are really the only breathing like st- stop points. And even those are sort of punctuated by uh, specific visuals with Artemis's flashback. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think that uh, I think that they did a, a really good job and I think it's reflected in our scores clearly. Absolutely. And Cal, that will move us on to our third category, which of course is music. Uh, once again, this week, some familiar names as we have the dynamic music partners uh, covering our musical themes for this week. And Young Justice is another show that I don't, don't doesn't really have a lot of like hummable character themes in the way that maybe our our classic DCAU shows do. But as far as you know, building that tension, I think you you even touched on it uh, a few minutes ago. But as far as building that tension, especially in the first part of this episode, I thought some some really uh, effective use of of strings in those moments to really kind of build up that tension when we're not really sure what exactly is going on or who these mysterious attackers are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the things that I had had down, as you mentioned, yeah, kind of who, as they're trying to figure out who it is that's in hot pursuit, as soon as they land in the cave and things are just, it's absolute chaos. uh, You know, the music fills in the background there as they're sort of trying to evade and avoid uh, the onslaught of fire that's coming after them. Um, And then as once they're in the showers and they start, you know, the, the water starts filling up the room there continues with that. Um, I thought that the, and I, I assume that some of this played into the musical choices because I imagine it would be in the soundtrack uh, if, if we were to listen to, and I think this, this is one of those soundtracks that may be available uh, to, to check out. So if uh, if you're interested, you can kind of might be able to find some of these tracks on YouTube or on a, on a streaming service, but uh, the, the sounds that that sort of punctuate, at least initially while they're, while 
Artemis and Robin are being pursued, uh, as I said, evoked very much a, a horror movie soundtrack where you have these loud screeches and this, you know, you, you, you may get one or two of like the Christopher Nolan womp hums, uh, the, the, the uh, inception, inception wonks or Ince- inception horn. I forget what they call it. It's, it's like the inception horn, I think. It's just that long, <laughs> stained, low horn blow. Uh, so you get some of those in the, in the pursuit and then sort of the, the high pitch sort of surprising screeches that you sometimes get in a, in a horror movie soundtrack that are designed to you know, evoke that surprise or uh, that, that fear. So, um, yeah, there, there isn't a lot. I don't think that that stood out. I think when Artemis releases the arrow too, that, that is backed by a track that sort of, sort of, as you're following the arrow increases and sort of crescendos to the point where it lands and, and sets off the EMP and, and sort of invokes the sort of relief, uh, that, that, the EMP is set off and these you know, the heroes have, have been rescued at least temporarily. And then uh, when Red Tornado touches the other the other robots and it's sort of the, the music sort of come comes back and begins to rise as all of the heroes oxygen is being sucked out of them. So, uh, yeah, I don't think that there's it's very atmospheric. It's very scene specific that these uh, that the, the soundtrack is for. But it's a it's a good, solid job. The, the parts that stood out were the ones that I mentioned. So. I ended up giving music a six out of 10 for this week. What about you? Yeah, I went just one point lower at, uh, at five out of 10. Um, I, I do agree with uh, uh, the sort of the, the ambiance of it, but uh, I didn't really find a, a lot of like really dramatic, uh, uh, great, great points of music. Like I said, I think, it, I think it adds effectively, but I, it tended to, to blend in the background a lot for me. So yeah, definitely nothing wrong with it, but uh, nothing. Yeah, I think I think this show it's it's just coming again. Another part of coming the show cold is, I think I don't I don't necessarily know that we have a a, a real sense of what exactly they were uh, they were always going for with the sort of the musical motif of the series. But yeah, definitely some some fun bits with the uh, the the horns and the uh, and the the overall sound design of the episode. Uh, no doubt about that. And with that, Cal, that will bring us to our final category this week, which is, of course, our voice actors. And uh, we have a, well, we have a decent sized cast, but uh, most of them are, are pretty much minor players for this episode, except for our, our two main heroes. But we do, uh, I will just mention, we briefly have Allison Stoner as she's playing both Barbara Gordon and uh, Betty Kane. So two Batgirls for, your, for the price of one there. Um, and then we have a uh, briefly Kelly who as uh, Jade, who of course is the older sister of Artemis. We have a uh, Jeff Glenn Bennett, who we've talked about a few times, of course, the voice of Hardak on Batman, the animated series, also uh, the voice of Johnny Bravo and a lot of other uh, classic nineties uh, <laughs> cartoon network uh, cartoons doing the uh, doing actually very similar to his Hardak here. He not only plays red tornado, but also the, uh, the other, I think it's Red Torpedo, who's the other robot who speaks, but uh, but we have uh, we have him on on there for that. And as, I mean, as far as playing a a disembodied, uh, cold, emotionless robot, uh, not surprisingly, he's uh, he does a good job at that. That's right. And ironically, uh, Mr. Bennett is a, is a, an Emmy Award winner for his portrayal of a different robot. Apparently, he won one from uh, from the for the show Transformers Rescue Bots. So, fun oh, fact: the man the man plays a robot so well he won <laughs> awards for it. So, uh, enough said there. Yeah, he that whether it's whether it's him or Corey Burton in the DCAU or uh, who plays him in in uh, in Batman: Brave and the Bold. I forget. Is it Corey Burton again? Yeah, it's Corey Burton. Yeah, so those two are one and one A when I to me I think when it comes to playing a soulless robot uh, voice. So uh, yeah, he's he's won probably more awards though than than Corey Burton. Uh, although Corey Burton has won the award of my heart, so uh, you know it, it's it's pretty even. <laughs> totally, and uh, of course we then have our just really our main cast to talk about. We have. Uh, briefly, we have Kari Payton as Aqualad. We have uh, Jason Spizak as Kid Flash. 
uh, Danica McKellar as Miss Martian, and then of course Nolan North pulling double duty as he often does as both Superboy and Superman. But most of those uh, most of those characters are kind of as for because of the nature of this episode don't get much to do. I think uh, Mr. Payton as Aqualad does get a little bit because he's kind of the one uh the the one still uh he he has to convey that real sense of dread as as he is uh sort of trying to comfort miss martian while he himself is in uh is in pretty dire straits so uh he gets he gets a little bit from our uh from the rest of our uh, our main cast here as they're because of the nature of the story are kind of in the background this week yeah he he has the little bit of dialogue also at the beginning that we mentioned that alludes to this mole and the team so uh he has some dialogue with uh mr bennett's red tornado also and uh including some questioning and of of just why red tornado is responsible for uh for being on uh on watchtower duty when he was relieved of that role so uh he does he does have some some concern and has uh is sort of the spokesman for the team uh on behalf of them uh, as they're conversing back and forth between Robin and, and Artemis as they're continually being checked on. Uh, they're in the more immediate danger uh, when it comes to the fire cage. But yeah, there's there's not a lot for the rest of the team to do. Um, and in, it's they're sort of, as you mentioned, relegated to, to background duty or, or giving, in the case of uh, Wally West, just giving some basic instructions uh, for Robin to collect certain items and not much uh, otherwise given to the uh, individuals. Absolutely. But speaking of which, we do have our, our two main players for the episode. We have uh, Stephanie Lamellon as Artemis and, uh, and then Jesse McCartney as Robin. They have a lot to carry here because uh, they're the only two characters who are conscious for most of this episode. And our villains are, uh, are robots who don't talk a lot. So a lot for, uh, for these two actors to carry this week. That's right, Liam. And I would also like to give you the, the same advice that Robin gives Artemis, and that is to get trot or get dead. Um, mm. Because trot, you see, is the opposite of distraught, I guess. So if you're distraught, it's not a word. If you're distraught, you should be trot because that's the opposite. What's the deal with people being <laughs> distraught, but they're never actually trot? I just, I just, he's that i that's just his character he's just <laughs> he's got one joke and he's just gonna run it into the ground here uh but like i said overall it's i i think there is there's some comedic value in the fact that it's it's mostly uh, as mentioned uh stephanie lamellon just sort of reacting to his his sort of calm sarcastic demeanor while uh, while their lives are in danger, so them going back and forth with her being sort of over the top and and very frantic and in her in her dialogue, whereas Robin is just doing normal Robin stuff. I think that does create a uh, a fun dynamic, even if I don't uh, even if I don't particularly enjoy the. Uh, the content of Ryan of Robin's dialogue. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, they do have some chemistry that play off each other pretty well. Um, I think it's interesting also that the, the characters are written, as you mentioned with Robin, uh, ha this is sort of old hat for Robin. It's enjoyable for him because he kind of is putting pieces of the puzzle together to figure out who these people are, how they're going to defeat them. And Artemis, meanwhile, is going through this existential crisis of dread and PTSD of trying to figure out how she's going to survive. She doesn't have powers like the other people on the team do. Um, she's not cut out to be a superhero. How is she going to, you know, how is she the only person left on the team going to be responsible for saving the rest of them? Um, so there's some lack of lack of self-confidence uh, from her and some of that crisis as well as the the anxiety and and when she actually curls up in a ball and she's just like i'm i'm done like it felt very authentic especially from the from the performance of the the voice actress so uh yeah i, th I think content aside goofiness aside seinfeld jokes aside i think the performances are, are strong from both of them and i i thought that their chemistry was was pretty uh pretty good as well yeah, I tend to agree there. I think, yeah, I think, uh, I think Artemis, uh, Miss Lamellon kind of gets the, the big, uh, the big emotional beats of the episode, because again, it is, it is sort of framed as this device of her remembering these, these horrible memories of her, of her sister sort of abandoning her and then 
her ultimately, despite her fear, despite her, her, uh, you know, she basically has to put herself in danger to protect her, her new family at the end. And, and uh, they, they kind of have her verbalize her, her whole thought process. There's a, there's a lot of, uh, and again, that, that comes back to, I think you just have to remember that this is at the end of the day, uh, still a kid's show. And so you do have her kind of spelling out exactly what, uh, what she, what she is thinking when she says that she's not going to abandon her new family the way that her sister had abandoned her. And, and uh, despite that, it, it doesn't really come off as too like hackneyed or, or cliched or, or, or hammy there. I, I think she especially does a really good job. So yeah, I ended up settling on a, a pretty strong seven out of 10 for my boys acting score this week. Yeah. I went with the same exact score and just, just because I, I don't think that there's one specific line one specific moment that stood out as wow that was just incredible um i think every that with robin and artemis they they both do a, a solid job and and they carry the majority of the episode but nothing stood out as like man that's that's deserving of a, of a couple extra points there so uh both still pretty strong with a, a seven out of ten regardless absolutely cal and uh, as we begin to wrap up that will bring us to the point where we tally up our final scores here and with our four scores from our four categories all added together cal it looks like i arrived at a final score of 28 out of 40 wow and who would have thunk that you would have given a higher score for a young justice episodes <laughs> that centered around robin uh, because i came in just a point lower with a 27 out of 40 with my scores. So uh, you, you had a couple categories that were uh, a little <laughs> higher than me. So you ended up giving, giving a, uh, a better overall score there. So um, now I think uh, it's safe to say, because we sort of briefly touched on it, this episode and the series links together pretty well. It's telling one's overall story arc here. So we have this cliffhanger that's left in this episode. There's the mention of the mysterious mole and the investigating work that uh, that Aqualad is doing to try and determine just who that is. So it feels like this one's a pretty important one to uh, to watch because most in the series are important because they kind of all connect. So I'd say this is, uh, if you're watching Young Justice, it, pretty much every episode's two thumbs up. Yeah, I think maybe if you've watched the series a whole bunch and we really are just talking about which ones you'd, you'd go back like, oh, this is a classic one and I know the series so well, I can just drop in on, on this one episode without context. I mean, I don't know. It probably depends on how much you enjoy the, uh, the Robin and Artemis characters, but I think there is, there is uh, some fun stuff here, again, just from that, that sort of basic concept of the, the two non-powered characters having to fend off the uh the the super powered villains by themselves i think that's fun um and then yeah as far as uh, where it connects into the larger series yeah if you're if you're doing a a full young justice rewatch because of the way they sort of thread these uh these little story beats even throughout episodes that aren't necessarily directly connected uh yeah i think this is a this is a pretty easy thumbs up for for rewatchability for this series there you go all right, Cal, and that will begin to wrap us up. Thank you, everybody, for listening, whether you do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, or, of course, as I already mentioned, on the Pod Tower YouTube channel or any other app where you can find our show. Uh, we do appreciate it. If you'd like to support the pod, uh, the easiest and freest way to do that is, of course, to follow us on our various social medias. You can find us at dcau review both on instagram and on twitter um and uh, of course if you head to our website dcaureview.com you can also find our store and uh, pick yourself up a hat or a sticker or a mug or something if you'd like to support us more directly uh financially and uh definitely reach out to us on those social medias let us know what you think of of this series of this month do you want us to try to come back at some point and and find like the direct threads of this episode where they pay off this red tornado stuff we'd uh we'd certainly take it under advisement if we if we heard from some of you again thank you to everybody who voted both on instagram and twitter this week to help us pick this show uh even though i was kind of hoping <laughs> we'd finally get to, to crack open the teen titans go vault uh 
perhaps another day in another month we'll get to that cal but you know what uh, you have to do you you have to you have to skew the polls so it's either the training tatum dog movie or teen (laughs) titans go because at that point you can't lose that's right that's right everything's coming up liam if that's the case (laughs) that's right you got to set it up so that you're the victor either way <laughs> That's right. So we'll uh, we'll plan that for a, a future month for sure. But uh, uh, as we begin to wrap up, Cal, uh, as you mentioned, next week will be the start of a new month, and we will be returning to the DCAU proper. But not just any point in the DCAU. Uh, I believe, Cal, we'll be looking towards the future. The future, Liam. That's right. All the way to the year that's fifty years from now, whenever now is. That's right. We will be returning to not just Batman Beyond, but uh, as uh, was the case with our last uh, future-themed month of the DCAU review, we have now broken the seal and we will be alternating uh, Batman Beyond and Zeta Project reviews all month long in July. So Zeta fan, rejoice. come on there are dozens of them that's a that's a valid point yes it's gonna be (laughs) it's gonna be a wonderful month for those dozens of zeta fans that's right and we will be picking things off with an episode of batman beyond a a pretty memorable one from what i can uh what i can uh call back to and that is an episode entitled payback so look for that next week cal it's gonna be a lot of fun but until then i'm liam and i'm cal And we'll be back next week with another episode of the DCAU Review. Adios.